Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait. Is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and about what's next. It's a show that wants to ask questions, peel back the layers of our average everyday experience, and go beyond scratching the surface. We interview amazing people with incredible ideas and stories who have done wild, weird, and wonderful things. Remember that imagination shared create collaboration, and collaboration creates community, and community inspires social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face. So 
welcome to Face to Face. We're here uh, sitting, or I'm here sitting with Ken Dick, who is the president of Sparrowway, an organization out of Guelph, Ontario. And I'm just looking at a magazine article called Goodwill in a magazine out of Hamilton, Ontario called West, January, February uh, 2013 by Janice Ford Spencer. And she opens the article by saying, quote, next to doing the right thing, the most important thing is to let people know you are doing the right thing, close quote. And I've asked Ken to join us here today just to talk a little bit about what Sparrowway does, about why he does what he does, and why he got involved with this kind of work in the first place. Sparrowway is a humanitarian organization doing uh, food, relief, medicine, medical work around uh, the globe. But I'm going to let him tell you a little bit more about that. Thanks for joining us today, Ken. You're welcome. So, uh, Ken, I asked uh, Ken a little bit before the interview started, uh, you know, why he got into this kind of work. What was it that uh, was the catalyst? And he pulled out a file. It took him a few minutes to find it, but he pulled out a file, uh, an old... Uh, Brown craft uh, file folder here with a couple of dates, some uh, airmail paper of some letters from Juhun in uh, a uh, black and white photo that I'm looking here, I think dating back to sometime in April of 1973. And uh, Ken tells me this was the first child that he and his wife had sponsored. And I wonder, Ken, if you could talk a little bit more about uh, child sponsorship. And who knows, maybe that's what our conversation is going to be mostly about today. But, but you know, little things making a big difference. What, what was, was this really the the, the thing that got you going in, in this kind of work? Uh, yes, we had a friend who lived in our neighborhood who had been affiliated with this organization and uh, got us interested in going to Massey Hall to hear the Korean children's choir. And during the performance of these kids from Korea, uh, my wife and I fell in love with the Korean children, of course, and. Uh, we uh, took very little time in deciding that we would like to sponsor one of these children. Uh, although the child that, that we sponsored was not part of the uh, music group, uh, we did start sponsorship at that point. And we were able to acquire little Ju Hyun. And uh, she, she was about uh, five years old. <clears throat> she was an orphan uh, in an orphanage in the southern tip of uh, Korea in Jeju uh, Do Island. And uh, we received our very first photograph of Ju Hyun and uh, immediately went on the refrigerator door. And at that time we had three children of our own and we decided that uh, this was good for our kids to know about the needs of other children around the world. But all of us uh, started to get really interested in Ju Hyun and what her life was like and the things that uh, she faced, uh, obviously as an orphan, but also in the fact that there was so much poverty in Korea at that time and so much need. So uh, we started to correspond with uh, Ju Hyun, and um, this was the beginning of a, a long journey uh, as I look back. One of the major uh, events in our lives following this was the fact that uh, at that time I was working for Nestle Canada. and. I was approached by uh, World Vision to uh, consider working with them as a volunteer on a, a committee. <clears throat> and uh, we'd already decided to do the sponsorship. And that, that was a sponsored child through, was a sponsored world, child through world Vision? World so, Vision, okay. yep. Yeah. And uh, I told the people at World Vision that I really didn't see myself working 
uh, for a charity, but uh, I would consider looking for someone for them. They were looking for a financial Was person. that because of the large amounts of money that you were making at the time, Ken, working for <laughs> Nestle? Uh, actually, part of it was. Uh, yeah. I had just graduated with, with my CA degree. Oh, okay. And yeah. uh, I, I had been in the food business for about eight years, uh, part owner of a company, a catering company. And uh, out of that, I moved on to Nestle's. <clears throat> and during my career there at Nestle's, in the couple of years I was there, I was looking at a career path that would take me uh, hopefully into management level. Uh, I was working directly with the treasurer and controller. And uh, Nestle's had a business school in Switzerland, which uh, they send people to who always come back with big promotions. You know? right. So I'm looking at time in Switzerland for me and my family and uh, hopefully a great career with Nestle's, a wonderful Canadian company. And when World Vision approached me and I'm sitting there on my desk one day and I said, uh, give me time to think about if I can think of anybody who can help you out, uh, I'll let you know. Well, about nine months after that, they called again and said, we're desperate. We really need somebody to come and help us. Uh, we're growing here in Canada. So I, I said, well, uh, something, as I look back on it, was very foolish. I said, you can't afford me. That was right. what I said. Right. Uh, the, the response was, well, look, uh, would you at least entertain a meeting with someone from the board of World Vision? I said, okay, that doesn't hurt. Significantly a smaller organization. Today, I think about $400 million a year. Yeah, they're over $300 million. Uh, and that, at this time, they were about uh, probably around a f less than $4 million a year. Less than $4 million? Less than four. Yeah. Wow. Okay. But they needed somebody yeah, sure. <clears throat> with my skills. And uh, because I was a CA, they, uh, they were just outgrowing their financial expertise that they had in the office. So I met with a, uh, a board member and uh, I left it with him that I would take seven days to respond. And they, uh, they presented their need to me. I went home and my wife Marlene and I talked about it and prayed about it. And uh, within about five days, I would have taken us to decide that uh, in essence we said God's, God's doing something in our lives. Uh, we said, well, what's he doing? We've never thought about this kind of thing. Why would we do this? But it became very clear to us that this is what we should do. And so I contacted them and said, uh, when, when do you want me? So that was the beginning of about 15 years uh, at Revolution? Yeah, it was 15 years as their CFO. Yeah, yeah. I had uh, gone to the president of Nestle's and resigned and said, uh, I'm leaving. He said, where are you going? I said, I'm going to work for a charity. He said, are you crazy? <laughs> well, you know, he couldn't understand. Yeah, sure. I said, well, yeah. the bottom line is going to be people. What about that trip to Switzerland? That's right, exactly. <laughs> so I said, well, uh, the, the focus will be people instead of profits, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And that really. So, uh, Ken, you're working with Nestle today, right? Uh, Sparaway uh, works with Nestle. Sparaway still getting donations from this. And is that a connection that you brought? No, it was oh, okay. not. Connected. I've been so far removed from Nestle's. Uh, that was back in 1975. Oh, okay. <clears throat> and I joined World Vision in the summer of 1975. Nestle's uh, allowed me to work half days for them for three weeks and half days of World Vision. I spent the mornings at Nestle, then I would go wow. up to World Vision. Oh, they paid my amazing. salary, they, they wow. covered all the costs. That's amazing. And let me write Quite my own exit memo to the staff it's in got Nestle. A, it's got an edge of corporate social responsibility yeah. attached to it that you, you wouldn't 
you, you know, you wouldn't have thought that would have been around no. at that point, but, no. you know, a little more relevant today, it seems. But uh, they were very gracious, you know, once they realized I'd made this decision. Yeah. And uh, so I started with uh, World Vision at that time. So, so about $4 million, about $400 million or thereabouts today, there's money, clearly money in child sponsorship. Do you think there's change? Do you think there's real change in child sponsorship? There's well, a lot of critics today about it, yeah. and it clearly had an impact on your life. I grew uh, up on sponsorship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My my family as well. We had a couple of kids. My <laughs> wife and I still sponsor a couple of children through uh, through an organization, and, and and we. I mean, it's it seems like it's a it's a good fundraising mechanism for sure, yeah. and, and it's clearly had an impact for your family. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts on that? It was the vision of Bob Pierce, the founder of uh, World Vision, when he was there during the Korean War. Uh, he would send pictures back to his friends of uh, children who were being orphaned through this war and said, uh, we need to keep these kids safe. Uh, I'm taking children off the street. They're in orphanages, but they need their, their support. Um, would you help us? And uh, it was actually Bob Pierce who, who thought about this idea of, here's a picture of a child. Would you support this one child? And through that, and for the years following, for many, many years now, uh, I have also preached the same thing. It's the face of a child that you should really look at. It's the individual child. Not to worry about the masses, because you could become overwhelmed with the mass. And I still say this to our, uh, our people when we're in Central America and other places, that keep an eye open and look at the one face that you're dealing with mm. uh, rather than thinking about the masses. Well, so many people say they're, uh, they don't use the word paralyzed, of course, but, you know, what good is my vote going to do or what good is my letter going to do to the government or why should I bother getting involved? It's yeah. really not going to make a difference. And this whole idea we started out with about, you know, this idea behind this, this interview is that little things do make a big difference. And so you're saying it's the face of the one, not the many. I've always looked at the face of the child I've dealt with. Uh, and little do you know, if we talk about faces, uh, my first overseas trip uh, was to Asia. I landed in Seoul, Korea. Part of the Korean Children's Choir always stood in the airport and sang for people who came to visit. And there were a few of the choir members there singing. And the like as you came off the plane? As we come of? off out of, out, uh, out of the exit. <laughs> is that right? And eh? they had their choir singing a little songs. Wow, and, uh, pretty impressive. And they were welcoming me uh, as a Canadian representative of World Vision. And uh, the director came over to me and he said, did you see who was here? And I said, what are you talking about? He said, just look over there. And I looked over there and there was a little Joe Hyun. She was standing in the airport. Wow, that's amazing. And I, looked, a little shiver. And I could not believe it. And so I went over. She was standing there. Uh, in her right hand, uh, she had a bouquet of flowers. And in her left hand, she had a photo of me. And wow. uh, she presented the flowers to me. Something. Yeah. And I knelt down so I could be at her level. And she obviously recognized There's something me. something very wise about that, by the way. Oh, that was good. Kneeling down at her yeah. level, that's And I said, what, yeah. what does one do? You know, I just arrived from the West. I'm in Asia. Here's a little girl, little Korean girl. I said, no, uh, she's welcoming me. I did what I thought I should do. I let my heart rule. And I just put my arms around and gave her the biggest hug. And then she stood back and bowed three times, mm. <laughs> which was exciting because they're not used to hugging. Uh, they're used to bowing. Mm. And uh, I had, the whole week I was in Seoul, in Korea, 
Uh, I had opportunity every day to see Ji Hoon. I even was able to take her to the store and buy her something. And it was uh, a very exciting moment because she became a reality instead of just a picture on the refrigerator. Right, right, right. My kids were thrilled and, of course, jealous. Yes, was my yes. whole family because yes. they they did not get to see her, and I've had that experience now in Guatemala and El Salvador, several places where we have sponsored different children over the years. Have, and are you uh, are you still sponsoring children today? Uh, we sponsor children, uh, but through Sparaway. Through Sparaway, right? Yeah. Right. So you still believe in it? Yes, we have two sponsored children. I have two sponsored children in Haiti, and my wife has two sponsored children in Haiti. And we still get the pictures. Of course, it's uh, kind of nice because uh, we have files here at the office on the children we sponsor right. through right. Mission of Hope. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, there seems to be, um, I teach at Humber College, and, and there seems to be a, a demographic that doesn't really resonate with this whole idea of sponsoring children. Um, you know, there was an article not long ago, about a year, year and a half ago, somebody, you know, every now and then some investigative journalist gets on a plane and goes to find this sponsored child and mm -hmm. says, well, hang on a second, what, what do you mean they don't have school uniforms? Or, you know, and what do you mean they, they aren't benefiting from the actual money that I'm, you know, sending into the organization? Because as we both know, and many know, uh, child sponsorship really funds, uh, well, as World Vision calls it, area development programs. So the money goes into a community rather than going to the individuals themselves. And so some critics have really taken that on and said, well, that's, that's just not effective, so therefore I'm not going to support yeah. it at all. And I've certainly seen that trend developing with younger people. What are your thoughts about that? I mean, like I said, clearly it, it had an impact on your family in a huge way. It's, uh, if you look back at the dots and the yeah, connections, yeah. it's incredible. The one thing it does from the giving side is the individual who's involved in giving is attached uh, at the heart level mm. instead of the head level. Good, yeah. Which I think is what Bob Pierce always thought of. It's if you can get connected in your heart with a child that you can correspond with, that you can receive reports about their education, and it's, it's an individual thing. That's, uh, that's far better than giving to uh, the children's fund where the funds are being used all over the place and you're not sure what's being done with them. Right. Sponsorship, though, on the on the other side is very highly administrative. Yeah, sure. Depending on what you, as an organization, offer the the sponsor, and a lot of organizations are starting to offer uh, maybe a, a letter once a year, uh, report cards once a year. Right. Um, Trying to shave off some of yeah, the cost. Well, not yeah. so much. I mean, with uh, when this started, forty years ago, fifty years ago, it was like. Uh, you could write letters every month, and there were people who were doing this, and it was not too bad cost-wise. Mm -hmm. But one of the challenges for Sparaway and any charity doing sponsorship is that you have sponsors who get off the back of the train and drop off. And that's one of the things. Attrition is always a, an issue. Uh, yeah, with any donor, You I need to find new sponsors right. to replace those that fall off. Yeah. You also, if you're going to grow, need to find new sponsors to add to what you've got. World Vision in uh, Canada, when I left, was uh, probably about 200,000 sponsors in right, Canada. Right. They were large. Yeah. World Vision has over a million sponsored children around the world. But, you know, the bottom line is it's a way to raise funds. Yeah, sure. Yep. But it's raising funds at the heart level around the head yeah. level. That's what I, I, I remember reading Dave Tyson's book, Generosity, and I can't remember the name of the young man at the time. Uh, right now, I should say, but he talked about uh, a sponsored child from Indonesia who was at a meeting that he was attending in Jakarta. Mm -hmm. 
And it turned out that this man who was now running the Indonesian office, which was, I don't know, 400 employees, $30 million budget, yeah. had been a sponsored child. Yeah. And I mean, you, you can't deny that kind of impact, you know, no. uh, whether or not the funds are actually getting to the person. Sam Nutt from War Child is a real severe critic of child sponsorship. She thinks yeah. it's a real, almost a sham in a way. Like it's, uh, you know, the. I disagree. Yeah. I disagree. Yeah. Uh, if you're going to help a child, what better way to do it than say, I'm helping Mary or I'm helping Jose? Yeah, yeah. Rather than saying, hey, I'm sending my or, money or to Or Juhun. Or Juhun. Yeah, yeah. I know Juhun, who would be probably uh, close to 30, late 30s, early 40s, I guess. That's incredible. I would love to go to Korea. I'm looking at a picture here that looks uh, like she's about five or six right now, this black and white mm -hmm. photo from the 70s. Yeah. So yeah. she would be born late 60s. So that yeah. would make her close yeah. to 50, yeah. 50 years old. 50 years old, yeah. which is remarkable. And I'd love to bump into Ju Hyun and say, Ju Hyun, I've got your photograph in my, in my home. I see you as a child. Um, that's much better. I disagree with the critics of uh, sponsorship. Uh, but I think as a charity, we need to find ways to make it cost effective. And if a, ch if a sponsor will understand that they shouldn't demand a letter so often or too much for the administrative part of it. If they can live with the fact they're linked with a child, uh, it's, it's a wonderful way to be able to raise funds, but it's also a wonderful way for a donor to feel connected to the yeah, actual sure, child. Sure. Yeah. I think it still is a valid way of raising yeah. funds. But it's, well, it's clearly working, and I know that I've met with some high-level people from a couple different organizations, <laughs> and depending on who you talk to, some say it's growing and others say it's on the decline. So it could be that there's uh, just a, there's a, there's a, this period of time that... I think where it's growing is with the charities who have uh, perfected a way to do it effectively. Right. Which right. are your world visions, your compassions. Yeah. You know, yeah. there's very few organizations that handle sponsorship well. Yeah, I think Plan, Plan Canada also handles it. But some of them well. do yeah. it really well and do it effectively and yeah. cost effectively. Yeah. When we did our first television program at World Vision, we did a three-hour sponsorship program in Vancouver. And we were, we were on air opposite a Canada-Russia hockey game. Right. We took... About a was thousand. Paul Henderson playing? <laughs> Maybe he was. But uh, it could have been one of those games. Because yeah. that was uh, the World Series. Yeah, the 72 Series. But we only took out maybe a thousand uh, picture folders that we had of children who were available for sponsorship. That evening, we actually sponsored 3,000 children. Wow. In the three hours. Wow. 3,000 people opted to because they could see the face of a child. Yeah, sure. And I don't care what the critics say, because if you can see a face of a child and you can say, I can help that child, yeah. it's that person that you help. I wonder, what, I wonder what the numbers would be like today with respect to child sponsorship, you know? like I still think World Vision is well over 200,000. Yeah. No, I mean, if you were to do an event like that at a hockey game. Uh, I think it would be difficult, although yeah. uh, the World Visions of this world are still running There's, TV specials. They're still doing it. They're still Their doing specials it. are still for uh, World yeah. Vision, yeah. still promoting sponsorship. Depending on the time of day that you're watching television. You yeah, our sponsorship at Sparaway is, is limited and focused, right. mainly with, uh, with Haitian children. Right. But after the earthquake, and you've got so many orphaned children right yeah. now, there's orphanages that are so, packed down there. So t I want to talk about Haiti a little bit more in a second, but um, tell me a little bit more about Sparaway. So $10, $11 million a year in gift and kind. You're doing medical teams. You're doing a little mm -hmm. child sponsorship. I yeah. know you're doing some work in Kenya, Guatemala. 
Yeah, we started as a, uh, a relief agency affiliated with Feed the Children in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, and we started out in uh, 19, uh, 2004, we opened our office here okay. in Guelph. Yep. Uh, there had been a previous activity through Feed the Children in Canada, um, but Sparrowwood came in under the, the name FTC Canada, and uh, we rebranded back uh, but almost two years ago now. And Sparrowway means to hope, does it not? Yeah, the, the word sparrow is Latin for hope, and uh, it's a way of hope for children. We're moving towards uh, not just being a relief agency and saving lives, but also to a more uh, longer-term development. And, uh, and, all. And, and I would like to see more done in the medical side. We have uh, uh, one passion that I have is, is the medical side. We take teams of doctors and dentists to uh, Central America mainly. And uh, our largest team has been 40 Canadians, uh, but we've taken a small team of two doctors and two dentists. So uh, this is one of the things we like to do. And every day we get on that bus, regardless, uh, the team is in the bus, and we have our thought for the day. And I always say to the team, remember, the face you see and the one you're treating is the one you're working with. That's the input you're having in their lives. And just and there's a lesson, I mean, to me, there's a lesson there about uh, something that I've been focusing on a lot lately, is just about being present, being in the moment. And so that's, yes, I mean, in that, the moment. <clears throat> it's your opportunity to yeah, affect yeah, a life, yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, and th- that's the wonderful thing about it. And then we've moved also, and I don't want to change the subject matter, no, but uh, the other passion we had was to work with First Nations kids. Oh, okay. And I had an opportunity to do that because uh, I've had uh, some exposure to the reserves up north, and I had uh, actually my oldest daughter, who was in camping uh, leadership for a long time, uh, came out of that. Uh, kind of retired from it, and I said, uh, do you still have enough energy to consider working with First Nations children? And with that, we started about six years ago to have a day camp up north in the reserve uh, where we operated three weeks of day camp. The article in the Hamilton West magazine talks a little bit about that, talks about a bunk bed program that you've got. An amazing statistic here, Uh, so 135 million pounds of food you've distributed. Yes, to both worldwide. Since 2004? Uh, no, that's not, I don't think it's... Here at home long. together with, yeah, the, the article here says 135 million pounds of food. Wow, that's incredible. Well, that could, that's, uh, see, we've been here, what, uh, eight years now. Uh, so we've been doing this for eight years. Uh, the poundage is, uh, it's misleading in a sense. I guess, yeah. If you're shipping cans, you get yes. heavy weights. If you're yes. shipping bags of soup and, and uh, little bits of fruit, uh, yeah, it's a true. little different. Yeah. So, so you deal primarily in food and um, uh, um, hygiene products. Hygiene, clothing. Uh, we've shipped a lot of clothing. We do get uh, new clothing uh, donated, uh, shirts, uh, that type of thing, which are very popular in Central America. Right. We've had shoes donated. We've had uh, 200,000 Crocs donated wow. and distributed mostly in Central America and uh, 
we'll take anything if it's useful to someone else. Right. Uh, right. As long as it has value. Well, I've seen the product in the in the warehouse, and uh, having now worked with you guys uh, uh, side by side, and it's it's some pretty amazing stuff. I yeah. I think I tweeted recently. Uh, I think there was twenty or thirty skids of Orville Redenbacher popcorn out there. So, <laughs> and I understand you yeah. you kind of have are a bit of a fan yeah, of. Them. I'm a popcorn freak. Yeah. 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 I, I, I cook popcorn. <laughs> so this a lot. is just feeding your habit, is it? <laughs> Actually, the uh, the popcorn comes in. Uh, uh, uncooked and in the, a lot of what has come in recently has already popped. Uh, it's in bags of pop bags. Now there you go. You have a truckload of popped popcorn is not as heavy as a truckload of cans. No. no. So uh, the weight in itself is not uh, always a good measure of how right. much you've distributed. Right. 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 But in value, uh, just last year we did almost eight million dollars yeah. in value wow. of wow, goods. That's significant. It's something we all forget about is the, the local need. I know that most of the, the food is delivered into communities around where Sparrowway works in Guelph, Ontario, and a lot of it going into Hamilton. And it's the kind of thing where I was a part of a food drop uh, recently and uh, uh, around Christmas, and uh, we were, sorry, we were a part of a food drop, and it was, you, you, you kind of forget that this kind of hunger, this kind of uh, poverty, it's not maybe quite as extreme as, say, Burkina Faso or Cambodia, but it's still very much a part of, of where we're at. Right. Statistics, uh, the latest statistics we've, uh, we've heard over the last two or three years, 40,000 children go to bed hungry in the greater Toronto yeah. area every night. That's incredible, eh? And we delivered uh, just last month at Christmas uh, some food to First Nations School in downtown Toronto. We actually delivered food, and the children in that school were able to deliver those and take the food home to the parents. So uh, we had word back that there were children who uh, were for the first time in many years, First Nations children living in Toronto that came to school after and said it was the first time in a few years they've had a gift or even a toy to play with. Wow. That they go through Christmas wondering what kind of meal they'll have at Christmas, but they never exchange gifts. And uh, we were able to take a lot of toys down as well. But there is hunger in every place. Everywhere. So Everywhere. you are a firm believer, just before I ask you a question about mm -hmm. Haiti, you're a firm believer in the little things making a big difference. In I believe it. Um, I always look at the face, uh, the little faces especially. Uh, I think my first trip to Haiti, as we get into Haiti, was uh, we were doing a crusade against tuberculosis. And little Jock was in the Grace Children's Hospital at that time. This was many years ago. He was dying of TB. You know, and uh, you go onto the hospital grounds, and the children run up, and they they don't see a white person too often. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, the hair on the arms. Yeah, the hair on the <laughs> arms, and uh, or, or a bald person in my case. Right. Yes, that's yeah. right. But we we've seen uh, children that didn't make it, but we've seen a lot of children that have. So made. I'm going to ask you a question about Haiti and about Julian Fantino's comment in a second, because your article here talks about you. Um, where's the quote I'm, I'm looking at? Currently on Sparrowway's front burner, uh, quote, is the recovery of Haiti, says, uh, says Janice in, in this article. And yet, Julian Fantino, the uh, International Development uh, Cooperation Minister, is saying maybe we spent too much time there, maybe we spent too much money, and we're not getting the results that we had hoped for. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. But what I'd love for you, just in the last couple minutes here, is you told me a story quite a while ago when we, uh, I think, first met about being on the ground days after... Uh, the earthquake uh, a few years ago and uh, the phone call I think that you made back to your wife and how you were just stunned by what was going on. I mean just the story mm. of what happened in Haiti and how yeah. your um, your son-in-law 
wound up there. I mean, if you could give us kind of a, a two or three minute version of that, it's a, a profoundly moving story, and I think it's an important one that people need to hear. The earthquake uh, occurred uh, January. Uh, I was on vacation, actually. Uh, it came on the news. Uh, we didn't know for two days almost whether our kids were safe. Uh, my daughter and son-in-law and four grandchildren actually were living in Haiti at the time of the earthquake, working with Mission of Hope. Uh, the story as it evolved that in their home as the building shook and they were on the second floor uh, in the complex north of Port-au-Prince uh, they got the family out down the back stairs which uh, were metal stairs actually like the old fire escapes and mm -hmm. uh, the, sh the stairs were shaking and uh, but they got everybody out pictures fell off the wall cracks in the walls things were happening obviously Immediately, uh, there became uh, uh, people started to come to the mission for help. Our son is <clears throat> a paramedic, uh, and uh, the rest of the family became involved in a rescue operation immediately. Now, Ken, hadn't Halton also donated an ambulance? Yes. And this is all prior to the earthquake? Uh, in by a in the months? October, prior to the earthquake, yes. Yeah. Uh, we had an ambulance donated uh, to Sparaway. Interesting, the approach to Halton to get an ambulance, which has come off the road, but in good shape, yeah. uh, was really destined for El Salvador. Uh, we had been in El Salvador and saw the, the shape of the ambulance and uh, decided we'd get one. It didn't work out, and then the earthquake hit. But prior to that, we made the change to Haiti because of a greater need. It was sitting on the grounds. It had no license plate. It had an Ontario plate on it. And they were waiting to get Haitian plates. Uh, when the earthquake hit, of course, nobody cared what kind of plates were sure. on it. Yeah. But uh, with Grant, our son-in-law was there, he uh, knew the ambulance, he used to drive it in home. Uh, so uh, he got in the ambulance and for days and days after that, he transferred patients, picked up patients, just, he was all over the place. It was the best ambulance actually in Haiti during the, uh, during the time following. That's incredible. Well. So we, we said uh, we really should do something, <clears throat> and uh, we had no way to get to Haiti. And finally, uh, we had continued to call the government. Finally, CETA came through one day. They called us back and said, if you can be in Montreal at, uh, to get on a flight at 3 a.m. in the morning, tomorrow morning, uh, we'll take you into Haiti. We're shipping food and other supplies down. It was a transat flight. We immediately called Halton, who had offered, actually, to send some paramedics. And uh, we called Halton and said, we've got a plane. We need you guys here. We got here at the warehouse. We got a bus and brought it right into our warehouse, actually. Hmm. And we all got on the bus, drove to Montreal, to Dorval Airport, and we got on that plane. We were in Haiti the next morning. This was January, uh, it was eight days after the earthquake, right, actually. Right. We arrived uh, in between all of the U.S. helicopters that were flying around, and uh, they threw our bags on the tarmac and said, okay, move out of the way. Right. We're busy. <clears throat> uh, we were bussed up to Mission of Hope, and uh, after that, we, uh, we spent every day for uh, about six or seven days in the hospital grounds, the general hospital grounds in downtown Port-au-Prince, uh, working in a tent, very hot. Uh, the tent beside us were doctors from uh, Mount Sinai Hospital in New York. Wow, okay. The other side were Brazilian doctors. Uh, we carried in uh, 10,000 units of morphine. Wow. 
they were giving aspirin to patients who had lost limbs. I mean, people in pain, all they had were aspirins. And uh, we were the most popular group. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Every doctor. Ambulance, aspirin, doctors. Morphine. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, we were there for eight days. So I, I'm there for a few days. All we had were satellite phones. Uh, Dr. Tony, our, uh, Tony Brown, our medical advisor, was with me. And we were the only two with phones. And back at the mission one night, uh, always trying to get back and call my wife to let her know everything was okay. And uh, finally, standing on the top of the hill, because they don't always work, mm -hmm. we finally got through. <laughs> and when I, this, is, this is amazing for me, but then I'm a very emotional guy. Uh, finally got through, and uh, I found my wife. She was at my daughter's, and uh, she answered the phone. And she said, uh, Ken? I said, yeah. Is that you? I said, yeah. And then the, I couldn't speak. Hmm. For probably it seemed like a long time. I'm sure probably it did. Was just a minute or two. Yeah, and I couldn't speak. Even now, I'm having yeah, trouble speaking. Yeah, I can tell. Yeah, <sighs> very emotional. Well, how 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 could it not be? What what it was was that in, in like four almost forty years of doing what I'm doing, I had never been in a situation where I had seen such devastation, uh, such a mess of people uh, hurting people. Uh, what really tore me apart was the kids, uh, injured kids being carried in, you know, some without uh, a right arm. One lady had uh, no, no left arm and uh, she was traumatized and we were going to take her into surgery and she said, uh, am I going to lose my other arm? They said, well, we don't know. And she said, well, I lost my left arm and in my left arm at the time of the earthquake, I had my baby. Oh boy! Wow. And she couldn't. She had never. How do you? Her baby have, went with her arm. What do you <clears> say? So she lost her arm. She lost her baby. This was just an example of what was happening. Yeah, it's just astounding. So to be speechless for a minute and a half, uh, I finally got my composure. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> but the comfort level that my wife had, knowing we were safe, was was okay. Yeah. And yeah. our kids were safe. Yeah. God was good, and yeah. He had protected them. And. Uh, um, your uh, daughter's family stayed on for about another six months? Yeah, they were there for almost a year, actually, yeah, working yeah. at Mission Hope. And uh, they stayed on and uh, worked until, uh, yeah, it was about six or seven months right, after the right. earthquake. Uh, and still, the ambulance is still operating. In fact, at wow. the time of this interview right now, uh, my daughter and son of are in Haiti for a few days doing some work for Sparaway. That's an incredible story, um, life-changing story for for a whole lot of reasons. It seems to me. Yeah. So, what do you what do you say to uh, to Minister Fantino um, right now? You 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 think that uh, what's the quote again here? Um, front burner for for the recovery of Haiti. Um, if I were talking to him, uh, I'd say I think he is making mistakes. I would say to. Uh, the premier, uh, what is an OPP officer doing managing international development? <laughs> I think uh, I know. think a lot of other people are asking I'm that question. I'm wondering why we have a policeman, you know, trying to decide what goes on in other parts of the world yeah. uh, and making decisions of that nature. I think he's mistaken in many ways. Uh, I know we have poured through our partners down there uh, well over uh, probably $2 million in the last few years into Haiti. I could take Mr. Fantino to houses that we have built in Haiti through the donors here in Canada. Uh, I could show him the schools that are being operated mm -hmm. through donors in Canada. 
for him to say we need better accountability, uh, I would say, why did you turn down our approach to CETA for money when we needed to build homes? Why are you sitting on all this money? We're ready to work with it. Right, We've got right, people there right. building homes. Accountability, according to whom? I mean, you know, I think the the thing that bothers me a little bit about what's going on quite a bit, quite a lot actually bothers me quite a lot is he's he's suggesting that it's Canadians that want this accountability. Yeah, yeah. And and I've got to say, is is are these decisions being made based on the sanctity of human life or based on the bottom line? Right. You talked you talked <coughs> yeah. earlier about the right. double <coughs> bottom line. The people and profit, and now today it's kind of people, planet, profit, triple yeah. bottom line. Yeah. And I wonder uh, to what degree they're actually looking at it from that perspective. Bill, Clinic, uh, Bill Clinton's foundation just gave funds to Mission of Hope to, oh. do, to do work. Uh, so what, what they're seeing is the people that are making things happen are the agencies that are there working hard to make a change. Yeah. Uh, Fantino doesn't seem to be build, building any relationship at that I know of with the agencies in Haiti who've been there for a number that of years. That are on the ground actually the getting ground it doing done. Things. Yeah, sleeves rolled schools, up. Yeah. Building homes. Sure. Uh, write some checks to them. Uh, yeah. We're ready to do some more homes. Uh, send us some money. Right. You right. know, we're, we're here. Sure. We're sure. doing it. So uh, I don't know where he's coming from, really. I yeah. think uh, it's not all. I'm sure the government's shaky. Yes, you know, of course. Yeah, uh, yeah. so is ours. Yeah, so is ours in a, in a sense. <laughs> yes, uh, but yeah. I, I don't think it should be a political issue. It should be a hard issue. So I say to Mr. Fantino, come with me. Why don't you come on one of our medical trips and see us working with yep. children in need, and take a look at a child's face and say to him, "I'm sorry, we we can't and, send you anymore." And then money. hold a press conference. And then say, yeah. uh, "I don't. I'm not sending money to this country." So I'm going to I'm going to end this uh, our interview here with uh, a note from Juhun, and it says here, "quote I'm very glad that I can call Lori and Karen as my elder sister, and Alan as my elder brother. I will try to be a good younger sister of them. It seems to me that Alan is one year older than I. Today is such a joyful Christmas day. We sang Jingle Bell, and Away in a Manger to the home rhythm band." I also played Korean folk games in our special program. That's just, close quote, that's just one little paragraph from Juhun's letter to the Dick family back in 1973. Thanks, Ken, for... Well, if anybody out there knows Juhun or bumps into her, tell her I'm looking for her. Well, you, you never know. You just might hear from her. Thanks for uh, joining us today, Ken. You're welcome.